I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. When I teach, everything mathematically connects with everything else in the Bible. I'm teaching on predestination. That's connected with the Sabbath. The Sabbath is now spiritual. It's not literal. I'll show you that as we go through it. Sabbath means rest. It does not mean it does not mean seventh. The 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 seventh day of the week wasn't the only Sabbath that there was. Every feast day was a Sabbath. Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Ingathering, which was also called the Feast of Huts. And the Passover was on Nisan 14, Nisan 14, which was our month, March, April. And Passover was also called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which lasted for seven days. And the first day of Unleavened Bread was the day after Passover, and that was a Sabbath. So these two Sabbaths are running together. So if Passover came on a Tuesday one year, then Wednesday would be a Sabbath also, because it's the first day of unleavened bread after the Passover. Now, that's the truth. That's Jewishness. I've got a 17-volume set of the Judaica. That's a Jewish set of encyclopedias. It's got so much information, you'll never get through it all. i got a 12-volume set in my library at home of the Isidore Singer's Jewish Encyclopedia. And they'll tell you all, if you want to know about the Jews in the first century, ask them. Okay, now, I'm, I put these words on the board. Predestination has to do with rest because when the Bible says we are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ in Romans 8 and 29, Image is the word icon. It means likeness. So if we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to rest in everything that's going on in our lives when we go through tribulation, tribulation, trials. And this is a type of war that we're in But the war we're in is with our flesh. When men begin to persecute us and say evil things about us, we want to always defend ourselves, and you're not supposed to defend yourself. You're supposed to allow Christ to fight the battle of the tribulation that you're going through. And it is a battle. Look over here in John 16. Look at John 16. And how do you overcome this battle of the flesh? You're in a war. And the Bible says that no man that warreth entangleth himself 
with the affairs of this life. That means any tribulation you're going through, that's an affair of life. And you don't entangle yourself with that. You just say, Lord, you fight my battles. I pray that every time I pray. You fight all my battles. And he says here in verse 33, chapter 16, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Peace in the Greek is the word irene. It means to bring together in one. It's the exact opposite of the Old Testament, break in pieces. Break in pieces, and God says, when you go after other gods, I'll scatter you and break you in pieces. It's the exact opposite of bring together into one. It means to be content or happy with your situation. That's what it means. Irene. Irene. Now that's the truth. And he says, in the world you shall have tribulation. The word is T-H-L. I-P-S-I-S. It is the noun form of T-H-L-I-B-O, which is the word narrow. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and only a few will find it. Only a, The word few is oligos. It means a puny number in the world will find the truth. They'll only find it because God finds them. He chose them for the foundation of the world to cause us to be holy. So tribulation is the battle. But notice what it says here. Notice what it says. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome. Overcome the world. Overcome is a word of war. Overcome is the word nike or nikao, N-I-K-A-O, and it comes from the word nike, nike, and that is the word victory. Oh, a victory is when you're in a war and you're not fighting it. The war you're fighting is with your flesh, wanting to get even with people for putting you through tribulation. When Paul said that we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God, he didn't blame the people at Acts 14.22 for having tried to kill him there at Lystra. This was people at Lystra in what we call Turkey or Asia Minor or portion of Galatia. Galatia was a state right in the center. Let me click over here. Let's go to some map. All right. Well, my thing went off. Guys, I went off. Maybe one of y'all come up here and fix this. I'll let you fix it. I may have punched the wrong button. All right. Now turn over to 1 John. So, overcome is a form of the word victory with the war you're in. It's victory, Nikkei. Now look here at what is it that overcomes the world. Go to 1 John, the fifth chapter, and this will tell you what overcomes the world and what gives you rest. All right. 1 
1 John 5. Did I lose it? I got it back up. You got it back up. Okay. 1 John 5. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. If you believe he's the Christ, he's in your heart, and you know that you're going to have to do what he says. You can't just believe that Jesus lived and go to heaven. You've got to believe he's the Christ, the anointed one. That's what it means. And everyone that loveth him, loveth is the word agapao. A-G-A-P-E-O. You can't just say, I love Jesus and go to heaven. Agapao is the verb form of the noun, noun agape. And agape, agape is a relationship. It's the word love, but you got the word phileo translated to love, which they're not the same word. Phileo means affection or to like something. Well, that's not the word agape. Agape was a relationship that fathers had for their sub, for families, or kings had for their subjects. They gave them laws, and their families would willingly walk in them. That's why Second John 6 gives you the best definition of agape in the Bible. Second John 6, this is love. This is agape that we walk in after his commandments so if you love God you have to be walking after his commandments so when it says here that he that loveth that everyone that loveth him that beget that would be God loveth him also that is begotten of him so what does that mean that means if you love God, you will love, or if you walk in the commandments of God, you will love or have this godly love towards everybody that walks in his commandments. And that's instead of fighting each other and gossiping and giving each other a hard time. Everybody's not at the same growth place. I have people writing to me and want to fight me over why I don't believe what they believe. Let me tell you what you have to do. If you give me something to believe, you better give me something verifiable, a documentation with some authoritative figure behind it, and it cannot be some gossipy person. I'm not just going to embrace anything anybody sends to me. Now, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love Him and keep... Toreo, it means to guard against loss. His commandments are written in fleshy tables of our heart, and we have to guard them against loss. I will fight to the death of what's written in my heart. I won't fight you. I'll fight my flesh. And then he says, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. They're not too heavy. They're not burdensome. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh. There is that word one more time. The victory word. 
It's the word nikao, a form of the word victory. And he tells you in this verse, what is the victory that overcomes your enemies? And it has to do with resting in the daily Sabbath. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Wait a minute, I'm in verse 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So faith has to do with the war that we're in. And faith is death to self. We've said that so many times. If you're believing in someone else rather than yourself, you have to put faith in them to overcome all of your adversity. That's what resting in God is about. That's what the Sabbath is now. It's not one day a week. It is every day. What day is it we're supposed to believe God and not worry about things. Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or drink, or how you'll be clothed. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin clothing. It says spin, but it's talking about a spinning wheel. They don't spin their own clothing. And God knows the glass of the field, which today is, tomorrow is cast into the oven. Shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Faith is what overcomes all adversity. You have to believe God when it comes to faith. So if you're going to believe God, you have to believe what he said. He said, I overcome the world. We all, when we're young in the faith, when we're young, we want to defend ourselves. I have come to a place at 81 years old, I will not defend myself. I will not be afraid to say anything to the world that I know absolutely is true. I will will say, but I've got to have documentation by some credible authoritative committee or person. I'm not going to change because you want me to change. I have to know, and believe me, I will say it. I'm not afraid to say anything to anybody in the world. Now, when you're young, you want to defend yourself because you've got an inner and an outer man. The outer man is alive and well when you first come to truth. Outer man. The Bible says in Romans Romans 7 that there is an outer man and an inner man. An inner man is Christ in you. Christ in you, and that's your hope of glory. The outer man is self or the flesh. That's what we're serving, and God's got to put you through tribulation, And you're in a war against tribulation. It's a war against your flesh. It's this outer man in Romans 7. You find the same outer man in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, in Colossians, the third chapter. You find this outer man in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. And Paul says, put on this inner man. But it takes years to go through tribulation to burn out 
burn out the old man and cause you to rest in this, to rest and stop your fighting with the world when they want to persecute you for believing that Christmas is pagan and it was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. That's a fact. You can sit and argue about it. I had a lady call me earlier today, and she wanted to fight me over the belief, over truth. And I just quoted her one verse after another and gave her some Greek words, and finally she just died down. And so well, I have to go. I said, okay. I don't get mad. I don't jump their case. I said, well, that verse means this and this and this. And the word there is such and such and so and so. And I just kept talking until I think she got tired of hearing my words. Why are you going to get mad at somebody that's uneducated and they don't know? That's ignorance. Ignorance can be temporary if people are willing to learn. He, they, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they'll be filled. But if they have no hunger, God has to empty them of self before they're hungry. I'm hungry for the truth every day. I wasn't as hungry in 1956 when I began to study the Bible at 17 years old. I wasn't as hungry back then, but I am now. I always want to learn more. I set up, I was going to bed last night, and it was about 1 o'clock in the morning. I thought, I need to go upstairs and look at my Judaica and see if I can find this particular thing in there. And I looked and looked and looked, and I found some other things that were interesting, but I didn't find what I was looking for. But I'll look again. I keep looking because I want to know what the truth is by, by a credible source. And, I've, and I don't believe everything I read. When I'm a reader. I've been a reader since I was very young. You have to, anytime you're reading a book, you gleam through the book, pull the facts out, and leave the opinions behind. I love this set of books, McClinic and Strong, but I don't always agree with everything they say. They'll say, but you have to realize, these were printed, they were researched and printed, or they were put together between 1850 and 1885. And probably several hundred contributors were to this. And therefore, when you read, you've got to read discerning what the truth is. Some things I pull out and say, I like that. Some say, I don't know if I believe that yet or not. But I love the. but I'm not going to throw them away if I run across something I don't agree with. I've had people come up to me and say, I don't agree with everything you say, Jim Brown. I say, you're still listening, aren't you? Yeah. Well, maybe you'll learn something, okay? Just keep listening. I didn't start yesterday. I've learned how to teach people. And look at verse 4. Whosoever is born of God overcometh the world because you've got faith. That's the point. And faith overcomes. What is faith? It's death to self. It's death to this outer man. The outer man serves the law of the flesh. The Bible says that right there at the end of Romans 7 and Ephesians 4. Colossians 2 tells you what you have to put off, put off to put on this inner man. Put on. And it'll tell you all about what you have to put off. 
And it takes years to do that. You're in a war against this outer man. I don't fight anybody anymore. I'm not mad at anybody that can't see the truth. Because if they can't see the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made even both of them. And I've got to allow them to be whatever God made them to be. And you should allow that for me, but if you're not mature enough yet, maybe you don't know that. Now, I'm talking about the Sabbath. This thing that we're fighting, when forces come from the outer outside of us, and they bring tribulation in our life, we're fighting against our sea itself to keep from retaliating. Retaliation is called vengeance. And God says in Romans 12, Vengeance doesn't belong to you. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, thus saith the Lord. The tribulation that we're going through makes us come to a point and the fire and the trials causes us to come to a point of saying, Lord, you're in charge of all that. You predestined me to conform to your likeness by putting me through the fire and the trials and the persecution. The vengeance doesn't belong to me. The word vengeance is the word ekdikesis. Ekdikesis comes from ek, ek, I spell it wrong, come from ek, and decay, D-I-K-E, which is the word write. It means to write out something. It means to make it right. That's not your business. The tribulation is to cause you to come to place one day, throw your hands in there and say, I give up, Lord. From now on, I'm going to let you fight my battles if any of them are fought. I'm not going to fight anymore. People attack me all the time. And I laugh like I did with that Michael Cornwell ago. I laugh and I say, this is ridiculous. I don't even know a man that's like this. I don't even know a man that is like what most people say about me. I wonder who they're talking about. And they say, well, it's you, Jim Brown. Oh, okay. I asked one young man left here one time. I said, what can I apologize to you for? And I said, what is it wrong? What is it you want me to apologize for? He said, well, it's you, Jim Brown. I said, well, t- <laughs> I nearly started laughing. I said, well, tell me what it is. He was a Jew. He was very young and very arrogant and thought he knew things and he didn't know anything. Now, I'm talking about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is resting in this. When the Bible says fight the good Fight of faith. Fight is the word. You can put that in here. It's the word A-G-O-N-I-Z-O-M-A-I. Fight, that's the word fight. The good fight, the second word fight is agon. It's a form of agonizomai. That word agonizomai is agonize. It's our word agonize comes from the word agon, which was the arena where they raced and fought and fought the gladiators and the and the lions. And he said, get in here and fight the good fight of what? Of death to self. 
when you are going through tribulation because some foreign element has come into your life, it's not up to you to defend it. We're not supposed to defend. We're supposed to say, Lord, you've got a plan for my life, and I'm in the middle of that plan, and you're the one that would, has led me here, and you will bring me out of it. That's, but you can only say that when you're a believer. Now, I want you to go back over here. All of these words are part of one another. Tribulation is the battle that we're in. The battle. Faith. Faith is what overcomes this world. Overcome. Overcome is a military word. It comes, it's the word nikao, N-I-K-A-O. And it comes from nike, meaning victory. The victory that overcomes the world is our faith. What is faith? It's death to the outer man, death to self. I'm going to give you my favorite definition of faith. Hebrews 11 and 1. Faith is. Anytime you find something is something else, you can substitute equals. Faith equals the substance of things hoped for. Substance is death to self. Substance. Substance is the word hypostasis. It comes from hupo meaning under. And stasis means to stand. But the Bible says there's none that understands, there's none that seeks after God. How in the world can you be saved by grace through faith when you don't understand? God has to put faith or understanding in your heart. Whenever you understand, then you start learning, don't you? I really want to make this plain. I need to leave that up there. Then you start learning. And a learner is a disciple. Disciple is the word mathetes. We get our word mathematics from it, or math. Math has laws. You have all these axioms and postulates in math, and yet they're mathematical laws, and they all are true every time you use them. So if you're a mathetes, you're a learner. And the Bible says in Luke 14, 27, He that beareth not his cross and followeth after me cannot be my disciple. So it takes a cross to be a disciple, to learn, and a cross is death to self, isn't it? Death to self. You can't crucify yourself. You had to be a slave or a criminal in the first century to be put on a cross. If you were a Roman citizen, they were not allowed to put you on a cross. Jesus was killed because they said he was a criminal and he broke the law. He was a criminal. So, faith is understanding. If you understand, you're a learner. And if you learn, that's because you're crucifying self. Or you're saying these words. You're saying that Christmas is pagan. Predestination is true. You gotta, you're telling people the truth. You're saying, 
deny self, take your cross, and die daily. Jesus said that any man after me, he has to deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. But the only way you take a cross is by telling the truth and people crucify you for it. So the war you're in, there's a war. We have a tendency when we're young to want to fight the foreign element that comes in our life. It may be your neighbor. It may be somebody on the job. It may be your kin folks that don't believe truth. You don't fight your family. Why would you fight your family when the Bible says they're vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? When they're natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. Made, Ghania means born. If they were born to be destroyed, and that's the majority of the world, why are you going to fight them? If they can hear, hear, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. That word hear or hearing is a word in the Hebrew, shama. It's the exact same word as obey. Obey the hearing ear. And any time the Bible says, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. In the New Testament, that's the word hoop, A-K-O-U-O. And here is the word, here is the word A-K-O-U-O. And hoopo means under, Hoop means under, it means to hear under or be subordinate or to be obey God. So if you hear, you'll have to be obedient to God. But the battle you're in is this battle of wanting to go out here and somebody that's attacking you for something you're saying or attacking you for anything. God may have your neighbor cause you a lot of trouble because... Your tree is hanging over in their yard. And they come out and say, I'm going to cut this limbs off of this tree. And you get mad because he assumes he can cut on your tree. And so you think he's an outside something force. He's a foreign force. So you got to get mad at him. That's my tree. And you can't do that. What should you do? In a case like that, somebody does you wrong. You should be very gentle, very kind, very corrective if they need it, but not not with cutting abrasive remarks. It's That's a lifetime battle to get over wanting to fight somebody or some guy cuts you off in traffic. And you want to get mad and go up behind him and ride his bumper. I've done that when I was 32, 33 years old. Don't tell me what that's about. I know what it's about. I had to come to a place of getting over that. As I grew older, you know what I learned to do? Somebody ride my bumper. You know what I do? I don't get a gun out and shoot at him or make some motion at him. I pull over and let him go. I say, look at that guy go. And I just get back in traffic. You're in too big of a hurry. What's funny to me, people drive like mad down the road to get somewhere so they can sit down. That's that's funny. That's what I used to do. I was crazy when I was young. So I'm going to get, so when you're going through tribulation, to involve yourself in the daily Sabbath, which it is daily, 
you've got self has to die the only way people are going to give you a daily cross is they're going to they're going to get mad at you for saying Christmas is pagan, Easter is pagan, God does not love everybody, Uh, you have to take your cross and die daily, the world has to hate you. Jesus said, if the world hated me, it'll hate you. Tell somebody to be a Christian, they have to be hated. They'll get mad at you. Well, I'm a good Christian, I know that, and I go to the big Baptist church. You can't tell me I'm not a Christian. I got saved one night, uh, ten years ago. There's no such thing as get saved. Now, I want us to go back where we were. Let's go over here. Let's go back to Hebrews, the third chapter. We're talking about a spiritual Sabbath. Before I get started in this, I need to give you Colossians 2.14 one more time. The Sabbath, well, I got a couple of things. Colossians 2.14, the early church did not worship God on Saturday. They did not. They worshiped on Sunday. They called that the Lord's Day, and it was, it was not changed into the Sabbath. It was Ellen G. White that started the Seventh-day Adventist that came up with the idea that it was a Roman Catholic Pope that changed Saturday into Sunday. And that's just not true. Sunday is the day we serve God because when you go over here, I've got to put Colossians 2.14 up on the board. Colossians 2.14. The reason we worship God on Sunday is that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. I'm saying this particularly for a fellow that called me yesterday and said, what day is the Sabbath day? Are we supposed to worship on the Sabbath? The answer is no. Because when you're talking about the Sabbath and you're talking about Old Testament Sabbath, let me just say this before I get to these other verses here before I get to this and before I get to the day that Jesus died day Jesus died and the day he was resurrected we worship God on the day he was resurrected which was the first day of the week. Now, people have got a concordance. They'll look at first day of the week. They'll say first day of the week. When you get your concordance out, let me put F-I-R-S-T, first day of the week. They'll get their concordance out and look up the word week. And it will say S-A-B-B-A-T-H, Sabbath. So it actually says he rose on the first day of the Sabbath. If you do not know Jewish culture, you're going to be lost as a goose when you get to that. 
The Jews numbered every day of the week from the Sabbath. They said the first day of the Sabbath, first day of the Sabbath was Sunday. The second day of the Sabbath they called Monday or Moon Day. People say, we're not going to worship Jesus on the day of the sun. Or are you going to worship him on the day of Saturn, Saturn Day? Those days of the week were taken out of paganism. The third day of the week, third day, was called of week. Third day of the Sabbath was called Tuesday. And the fourth day, fourth day, was called Wednesday. The fifth day of the Sabbath was called Thursday. And the sixth day of the Sabbath they called preparation. Besides calling it the sixth day of the Sabbath, they called it the day of preparation. What did they mean? The word preparation is the word para, P, A, R. I'm spelling it in the Greek. R, A, S. That's an S in the middle of a word. This is an S on the end of the word. Looks like our S. P R E S K E U N Ada. Parascuane. This Ada on the end of the word is feminine gender. They called Friday the Eve. Eve was Eve's name in that third chapter of Genesis. Eve means the mother of of all living. The eve of the Sabbath was called the mother of the Sabbath. That was the only day that they ever called the mother of the Sabbath. They did not call. It was for it was called preparation. This is why we worship on Sunday. It was called preparation. It was feminine gender. And the only day of the week that was feminine and that was the day of preparation was Friday. Friday. How could Jesus have spent three days and three nights in the... How could he have spent three days and three nights as Jonah was in the belly of the whale? Let me give you this. First of all, look at John. Go over to John. I'm doing this for Justin. He's out in Scottsdale, Arizona. We love you, Justin. You sound like you're really hungry for the truth. Now go over here to... to uh, Where was I going? John. Hi. John. John. Okay, John 19. John 19. Now, this is the day that Jesus died, John 19. John 19, Jesus is on the cross, and 
It was in Hade. Hade means one Sabbath is sitting right on top of another Sabbath. That's why he had to die on Friday. Friday was Passover. And the next day was Sabbath day. And the next day was also the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Of Unleavened Bread. Bread. And that was also a Sabbath. So that Sabbath, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, set right on top of the weekly Sabbath. That was in High Day. High Day. That's what that means. It was an high day. It means one Sabbath sets right on top of another. It was congruent is a mathematical word. C-O-N-G-R-U-E-N-T. It's congruent. Now, so one day sets on top of another, and he was crucified on Friday. How can you get that? How can you have three days and three nights if you don't believe in synecdoche, which is a common word that the Jews use, S-Y-N-E-C-D-O-C-H-E, that means a part of something is the whole of something. Here's how they counted. They said was a whole. I've said this before. If I said I spent the day with Jesse, I didn't mean I spent 24 hours with him. I might have been over at his house for four or five hours, and I'd say I spent the day with Jesse. What did you do today? Well, I went to the grocery store. I didn't go to the grocery store all day long or 24 hours. The Jews said their day began at sundown, or approximately 6 o'clock in the evening. Whenever the sun went down, they had other definitions for this. So whenever the sun went down, that's when their day began. Where did they get that? The evening and the morning or the first day in Genesis, the first chapter. So they said if they got him into the tomb at 5 o'clock in the evening... There was darkness from the sixth to the ninth hour. That is, that is the their daylight day beginning at six o'clock in the morning. The sixth hour of the daylight day was noon, and the third hour of the day, the ninth hour of the day, was three o'clock in the afternoon. So there was darkness for that time, and if they took him down from the cross and got him in the tomb somewhere around five o'clock before the sun went down they said they had to count back every all the day back to six o'clock the previous evening and they then they counted another full day on saturday and then in the morning of the first day of the week he resurrects from the dead so he's not in the tomb three full days and three nights. If he was in the tomb, like the Bible says in Matthew 12, three days and three nights, that would be 72 hours. And I've figured up the seconds on this. If he was in the tomb 72 hours and he rose, and he rose from the dead any time after the 72 hours, let's say it was one millionth 
of a second. He would have risen on the fourth day. Come on, man. (laughs) He would have risen on the fourth day, wouldn't he? He said over and over again, I'll resurrect the third day. So he was crucified on Friday and he rose Sunday morning. And let's look at this one more time. And he met with the apostles when he rose and taught them. And the Bible says in Acts 20 and 7, Paul preached on the first day of the Sabbath, on the first day of the week. And in 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, well, it was Acts 7 and 20. In 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, the Bible says, Let every man on the first day of the week, the first day of the Sabbath, Sunday, lay by in store as God has prospered him. So, let me look here at John. John 19 and verse 42. There laid they Jesus. He dies in this chapter and not a bone was broken. That's another story. I don't, I'm not going to go there. The Passover lamb, no bones could be broken. That's why they didn't drive the nails in the so-called physical pommel, what we call the palm of the hand, that drove between the radius and the ulna, which there's no bones there. And that's the way pictures depict that. If he had driven it here, a bone, his bones had been broken, and no Passover lamb couldn't have any bone broken. The Bible tells us that in the Old Testament in the Passover lamb in the twentieth, the 12th chapter of Exodus. Now, it says here in verse 42, There laid they Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day. What does it mean, preparation? Feminine gender. Before the Sabbath, on Friday, they had to prepare the erubic, E-R-U-B-I-C-K, erubic. The erubic, they had to do three things, one, two, three. This is why they called it preparation. They had to prepare their, prepare their food. They had to light a lamp. And they had to pay their tithe. Before sundown, they called that the erubic. That was the preparation for the Sabbath. That's why they called it Sabbath Eve. It doesn't matter whether you believe that. That is Jewish thought. Now, all right. I'll give you one other verse on that over in Mark. This is where Jesus was dying in Mark. And the reason, and Jesus left he was taken off the cross he resurrected on the third day and then he went to northern galilee and preached to the apostles he preached on the first day of the week the sabbath paul preached on the first day of the week the first day of the sabbath which was sunday that's when he preached that's when the early church met and preached the early church did not celebrate did not celebrate Jesus' resurrection once a year at Ishtar time, Easter time. That was paganism. 
They celebrated his resurrection every first day of the week when they met on Sunday. That was called the Lord's Day. That is not a transferring of the Sabbath over to Sunday. It's not. The Sabbath is now every day when we rest in all the things that God is doing. And rest is our belief in God. It's our belief that everything that's going on in our lives, we have to learn to rest in what's going on and not fight these people that come into our lives and bring tribulation and we think that's unnecessary. When God brings evil people into our life to do evil things in our life and that's tribulation, that's the will of God. That's everything he wants to go on so he can perfect you perfect be therefore perfect even as your father which in heaven is perfect that's the word teleos it means to grow up and mature so if you're going to grow up and mature takes a lot of fire doesn't it Teresa take a lot of fire to get you to stop fighting the way you used to when you were young you may not you've been an easy going person all your life but I'll bet you and I'm not supposed to bet but I'll bet you that inside of you, when you were young, you had a lot more resentment than you do now, didn't you? Didn't you? We all did. And we didn't want somebody doing us wrong. We're going to get them back. You have to learn. You're in this battle against the flesh. Let's go over here to, well, i got to give you this in Mark, the day that Jesus died. Mark, the 15th chapter. This is the day that Jesus died, verse 42. And now when the evening was come, because it was the preparation, that is the day before Sabbath. It was parascuane, feminine gender. That is Sabbath Eve or Friday. That's when he died. Because synecdoche is true. A part is the whole. You can't get anything but that out of it when he, Jesus said over and over and over, I will resurrect the third day. Look up third in your concordance. It's in there about 12 or 14 times. I hadn't counted them. I've read it out to people. It's besides that, for seventh day people, when the Sabbath came in the Old Testament according to Exodus, the 16th chapter You could not go anywhere on the Sabbath. You couldn't go to church. They didn't go to the temple to listen to some priest (laughs) preach. They, They couldn't light any fires on the Sabbath. That's why they had to light a lamp before sundown on the on Friday. They couldn't light any fires. You can't drive a car on the Sabbath if you're a Seventh Day. Worshipper, you can't drive a car. You got four cylinders or six cylinders in your engine, and they got a fire each time. And you couldn't light a fire on the Sabbath. That's why they had to light them before sundown on the day of preparation on Sabbath Eve, Friday. But this is Jewish culture. I'm sorry if you don't understand it. Exodus 16. For you Sabbath day worshipers, this is for Justin. Justin, listen here. You could not go anywhere 
on the Sabbath. You had to lay down. Sabbath means rest, and you had to rest all day long and not go anywhere. You didn't go to church. You didn't go to some restaurant so some guy could fire up a grill and light a fire on the Sabbath and break the Sabbath while you're sitting there eating the food he's cooking. They couldn't prepare food on the Sabbath. That's why they had to prepare it on the day of preparation on the day Friday before. In the 16th chapter, verse 29, See, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place or his house on the seventh day. You can't go nowhere. They weren't going over to listen to the priest. They're at home in their tent. And over here, the priest, they're breaking the law of the Sabbath by offering all the sacrifices on the Sabbath day. But only the priest had anything to do with it. Tough if you don't like that. Besides that, on the Sabbath day, they couldn't kindle a fire. There in Exodus 35, 2 and 3, they could go nowhere, no cooking on the Sabbath. Exodus 16, 22, 23, they could, you couldn't do any work or you died for it in the Old Testament. You're going to kill, you're going to have somebody kill you if you break the Sabbath. No pleasure on the Sabbath, Isaiah 58, 13. You can't watch college basketball on Saturday. You can't go outside and hit a ball and go get it. You can't do any work if you need to move a piece of furniture. I'm sorry on Saturday. If you keep the Sabbath day according to the way they kept in the Old Testament, when people say, we do it different. Well, you can't add to it. Where is the Sabbath now? Where is the rest of God? Let's go back over here. No burdens on the Sabbath, Jeremiah 17. You can't take anything anywhere. You had to lay down in your house and rest and do nothing. I understand that the heart slows down once every seven days. That's what some doctors tell us. So when it slows down, you're supposed to rest. The reason we meet on Sunday, that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the Sabbath, which is Sunday. That's when Paul met with the apostles. People say, what was Paul doing over at the synagogue? The synagogue was Babylonian. It was corruption. They were teaching the halakha or the traditions of the Pharisees over there. The only reason Jesus was going to the synagogue is to preach to the Pharisees. The only reason Paul would go to the synagogue was to tell them how corrupt they were. He didn't go over there to worship God. Why would Jesus go to worship God at the synagogue when there was a temple? Good grief. How in the world can you... But if they don't know this, now let's go back to Hebrews. I want you to get the picture of this. Hebrews. How much time do I have, Mike? 37. Maybe I've said enough to... Go to Colossians 2.14 first. Colossians 2.14. The Bible says... 
blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. Ordinances is the word dogma. The law comes in two parts. The law comes in the letter and the spirit. The letter is the rituals. Even Peter said, we weren't able to keep the rituals of the law. Why are we going to saddle the Gentiles with these rituals? And that's why he said, we're going to do away with the circumcision over in Acts, the 15th chapter. And Paul verified this. Uh, Paul said that, and Peter stood and verified it. And so did James, the head of the council at Jerusalem. They said, we're not going to go back and circumcise these Gentiles. Circumcision in the halakha. Let me erase this. You got that down, don't you, Mike? Let me erase this. Circumcision, you had to be circumcised to be a Jew in Israel. And the Pharisees in their halakha, which they came up with in Babylon when they organized the synagogue, when they were carried away for worshiping, all these fire and tree goddesses that were carried to Babylon 600 or so miles away. And when they were in Babylon, they said, we need to come up with our own laws. So they came up with, with translating the Old Testament, or excuse me, translating the scriptures of the Old Testament from Hebrew into the Babylonian Aramaic. And they had a head rabbi That's where they organized the synagogue. So you cannot come up and say synagogue is righteous. It is not. I've done many DVDs on this. And and the synagogue, soon I go, soon I go, it means to assemble together. It actually means assembly of God. That's not a good title. Because it was corrupt. They had a head rabbi, and they had they had this rabbi along with the rabbis means master or teacher, and they they translated the Hebrew text of the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. We call that Pentateuch. Pent means five. Pentateuch. P n t e. T-E-U-C-H. Pent means five. It's the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And they translated that over to the Aramaic in the, in the, that was the language they spoke over in Babylon. That's what we call Iraq. That is the same thing as Iraq. The capital city of Babylon was the city of Babylon. It was the Babylonian Empire. And it was over here on the Euphrates River. And that's what we call Iraq today. And they were carried over there from Jerusalem this far, about 600 miles, 650. And they translated the law over here. They came up with these rabbis instead of priests of God that were over here. And they started this system that they called the traditionary law of Moses. They called it halakha. 
And every time the Bible refers to the tradition of the Pharisees in the New Testament, it's the word paradosis. And when you look up tradition in the New Testament, it will say, traditionary law of Moses. That is a lie and a false teaching. Not the law of Moses, the traditionary law of Moses. Traditionary. Traditionary, a tradition was something that was passed down from mouth to mouth. It wasn't written down. They did have a written commentary, Haggadah. Haggadah. And that was something that was written down and could not be spoken aloud. And they said the halakha could be spoken from one generation to the next, but could not be written down. Eventually that had a developing process, and it was developed into the Mishnah in about 200 A.D., Mishnah, it was it was incorporated into the Talmud and they said now it can be written down because God changed his mind even though God said he never changes. Well in that paradosis in that paradosis in that paradosis they had a law saying that if you were that if you were circumcised, washed in water that they called a new birth, and and if you would uh, if you would uh, be offered two turtle doves, these two were in the law, and they got the washing of water from the temple, where all the priests in the Old Testament, excuse me, they would wash in the sea, in the brazen sea, and then go offer offerings upon the brazen altar and they'd come back and wash their hands and feet but they washed themselves all over before they went to the altar so they took this and put this into the proselyte process and that's why Jesus was washed in water the Pharisees kept calling him a Samaritan and that was northern Israel and they hated northern Israel so he said, if I, if I go through this process, I've already been circumcised, I've already, my mother offered two turtle doves, and this washing in water had not been blotted out in Colossians 2.14. So Colossians 2.14 said, all the rituals of Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Ingathering, and the Day of Atonement. There is a toning lamb now, and that's our atoning goat, and that's Christ. Atonement has the same meaning as the word baptize. Same meaning. Atonement means to cover, kafar. And the Lord told Noah, pitch the ark within and without with pitch. First word pitch is kafar. It's also the word atonement. On the day of atonement, the high priest would cover the Ark of the Covenant with the blood of the goat that was offered on the altar. So it means to cover with a stain or dye, and pitch with pitch means to cover with a stain or dye, kafar with kofar, and baptize is the word baptizo with bapto. That means to cover with a stain or dye, baptizo with bapto. And a blood baptism was a death that was death to self. There we are, back to that daily cross, back to that that 
all those titles that I put up there. Back to death to the outer man, and that's what Israel has to come to. So over here in Colossians 2, 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, two handwritings, one on tables of stone in Deuteronomy 9 and several other places over there in the Old Testament, and then one on fleshy tables of our heart. One of these is blotted out. It can't be the one on fleshy tables of our heart. We are spiritual Israel, spiritual Jews. We are heavenly Jews from the church. A circumcision is not of the outwardly, but of the heart. A Jew is not outwardly, but of the heart. Well, if the Jew is spiritual, so are these so-called rituals. The letter and the spirit. The Bible says the letter killeth. Letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. So everything that was once gives life. And the Holy Spirit's truth. So everything over here was a shadow, a skia. The law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image, shadow. Everything in the Old Testament was a shadow and in the New Testament it's the very image. The real thing is the New Testament. And all of the rituals of the Old Testament were blotted out. Everything, we're in a spiritual Passover. I've given that to you. They were eating the last Passover when Jesus was eating. Some people call it the Last Supper, but it was the last Passover. There were four items at that Passover that I'm not going to go through. And it's all spiritual now. The the third cup of the Passover was called the cup of blessing. When Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 16, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? That is a Passover term. To drink of a cup of blood meant to die. Jesus asked James and John, can you drink the cup that I drink of? That was the day before he died. Can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? He's talking about his death on the cross. Now, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. I've said this a thousand times here. You did away with one contract, and you wanted to implement a new one. You had to have two witnesses to every contract. Two to three witnesses. Numbers, the 35th chapter. Deuteronomy, the 17th chapter. Deuteronomy, the 19th chapter. Two witnesses. Well, they'd take the two witnesses and the two contracting parties out and says, everybody ready to invalidate this old contract, they'd say, yes. And they'd drive a nail through it. Just like we take a notary stamp and press in indention in the official document. And that invalidated the contract. Now, all that was blotted out was the letter of the law, the rituals. Now, all we've got is a spiritual Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Ingathering, and a spiritual Sabbath. There's no priest over it. You have to have some priests that are sons of Aaron to have a literal Sabbath. You got to be offering lambs in a literal temple in Jerusalem. But we're heavenly Jerusalem, the church. There in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Therefore, we're offering 
Christ was a sacrifice offered once for all in Hebrews 10. No more sacrifices. No more rituals over here. It's all been blotted out. Now let's go back. I hope you can see this. Do I have any time, Mike? Let me see how far I can get in this. Go over here to Hebrews, the third chapter. All through this, God is talking about entering into his rest. Entering into his rest. This word rest is the word katalposis. He's talking about Israel entering into Canaan. They're in the middle of the wilderness and they're provoking God. And he says, some people don't believe God. They're provoking me and making me mad. They say that I brought them out here into the wilderness so they can die at the hands of Moses and Aaron. And the Bible equates entering into Canaan as the rest of God. And he says, people that don't enter into Canaan, it's because they didn't enter into my spiritual Sabbath, my spiritual rest. Let me see if I can find me a, a map of the, that area. So they're out here in the wilderness. I need, all right. Maybe I don't, maybe this will do right here. They're here in the wilderness, down here at Sinai. They just come across the Red Sea from Egypt. Here's Egypt. Come across the Red Sea. They go into the wilderness, go down here to the bottom of the Sinai Peninsula, and God gives Moses the law. They leave Sinai in Numbers 10. That's when they leave Sinai and they were in at the mountain of God at Mount Mount Sinai. They got there in Exodus the 18th chapter. Exodus the 20th chapter Moses comes down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments written on tables of stone by the finger of God. Numbers 10 they get all the laws, the Levite, the law of the Levites. That's where Leviticus comes from. L-I-V-I-T-I-C-U-S. Leviticus means the law of the Levites. That was the third son of Jacob. That was the priesthood of God, the priest. The priests of God. And they leave and they go straight north. They come up here to Kadesh. You see Kadesh right there? They come to Kadesh. This has to do with the spiritual Sabbath. Which is every day. And that's when we rest in all these tribulations, which is a war against the outer man. And until God overcomes the outer man, we won't begin to rest in all of the opposition that we get in life. And God is killing off self. 
if you can get rid of self, self is the part that worries all the time, that stresses over everything. Christ in you is going to get you to a place where you can rest in the spiritual Sabbath. And how often will you rest? Well, I've come to a place at 81 years old. I rest every day. I don't care what people do to me or say to me. I rest in it. And I will say the things that I believe is truth, but I have to be convinced of it. And I'm absolutely convinced that that the early church worshipped on the first day of the week or the first day of the Sabbath, which was Sunday. So God is overcoming the flesh with all these tribulations and trials. The, the illustration that he gives us is here in Hebrews 3. He talks about the rest of God. Rest of God. And that rest, he's talking about Israel being able to come out of this this tongue here goes down into the Red Sea goes up here they cross somewhere up here and that tongue is the Sinai Peninsula and the 40 years were spent in that little tongue they were wandering all over that peninsula why it tells you they couldn't enter into the rest the Katapasis there are certain ones couldn't enter into the kataposis. Kataposis is the word, common word, rest in the New Testament. It comes from the word pause. When we pause, we cease. And that is the word to cease or stop. Kata means down. It means to settle down. So they're not settled while they're in the wilderness. There's one thing that keeps some of these people from from coming to the end of their journey after 40 years, coming right above the Dead Sea, crossing the Jordan River, and possessing the land, and that called, God called that their rest or their kataposis, and equated that with Sabbath. And you can see that. And that has to do with believing God. Believe. That has to do with belief. In fact, let's read this again. And perhaps I can get some of this over to you uh, and help you see what the spiritual Sabbath is. Now he's talking through here. He said, some provoked me when they were in the wilderness. That provoke means to make God upset, to make him angry. And that's what he got. He got angry at Israel because they acted like he doesn't know what he's doing. He sent us out here to die. Now let's read here. Verse 8, harden not your hearts like people did in the wilderness. In the day when they provoked me. Provoke means to anger God. And that's what they did. When they got up there, you get up to Numbers 30. They left Sinai in Numbers 10. 
Numbers is a fantastic book. It's about all of their adventures in the wilderness for 40 years. When they get to Deuteronomy, they're about to cross the Jordan River, and everybody that's dead is supposed to be dead. And there were people that murmured against God, and God says, I'm going to kill everybody 20 years old and upward because you murmured, because I asked you to go in into the land of Anak, which is down on the lower western, southwestern border of Israel. Here they are in Kadesh. They're in Kadesh. And God says, I want you to go. I want you to go in and spy out this land. They're in Kadesh. God tells the young warriors, the young men in the army of Israel, they have an army. They've only been able to put it together since they left Egypt, and that was less than two months before. You've got to remember that here, crossing the Red Sea, God destroyed the largest army in the world at that time. That was the Egyptian. You find that destruction in Exodus, the 13th and 14th chapter. 14 particularly, that's where God put Egypt down in the bottom of the Red Sea. Pulled the wheels off their chair and said, now drive against my people. And he killed them and killed Pharaoh. Well, if he could kill Pharaoh's armies, which was destructive more than any army alive, he can destroy the land of Anak. That's also called the Gaza Strip in our day and time. Gaza Strip. And it was called the land of the Philistines. Whenever I'm talking about Gaza, the Gaza Strip, Gaza was one of the towns in was one of the cities in the land of the Philistines Gath was a Goliath was of Gath that was another city of the Philistines you had Ashdod that was where they took the Ark of the Covenant and stuck it in the temple of Dagon which was the fish god dog is the word fish in the Hebrew and Dagon was their fish god and they stuck it in there and God took the arms off of it, took the head off of it. They said, get it out of here and struck them with emeralds. Well, God is the strength of Israel, not Israel. If you are out here battling the world, what is your strength? It's God, not you. You can't beat the world. You never can. They, You know what empowers the world? Evil. They can do what they want to do to you. And they never die out and they never quit. If one dies and falls down, there's thousands of them to take his place. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Death to self is the victory that overcomes the world. And when we come to that place and realize that faith is death to self and self stops worrying, that God will conquer the strength of the world And they didn't believe that. They went out here. 
They sent these young men in here. They came back after 40 days. And they said, those giants over there are too tall. They're huge. They're eight and nine feet tall, and we can't conquer them. Even though God had conquered Pharaoh when he drowned him in the Red Sea, they couldn't see that. So God says, just for your murmuring, you're provoking me. I'm going to make you wander in the wilderness 40 years, a year for every day you spot out that land. Now, let's read some of this. And I'm going to take you back over to that. I want to show you two things here. Harden not your heart as in the day when the people provoked God. That's what they did. They provoked him. And when they said, well, we can't believe God's going to conquer these giants. You've got giants outside of your life. They're powerful in the world. And you think you don't have enough strength. You don't rely on your strength. The Lord is our strength. And you know what you do when you start relying on the Lord? You quit going around places where these people hang out. You quit going around the enemy. You want to stay away. Do you like staying out of a fight? Then don't go around people who fight. It's real simple. Don't try to climb the ladder of a man that's a tyrant. If he built the ladder, I thought that for years. I thought... I should be able to go to the top of this ladder of the music business. I'll be a good Christian, be famous at the same time. You can't be famous at the same time and be a Christian. Bless you when men shall reproach you. Reproach on Iedzo means to be infamous. O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O. You people out in the country music, you call yourself Christians. You're not if you tell people that they have to repent of sin and that they that Christmas is pagan and Easter is pagan and God predestined his people to conform to the likeness of Christ. You're not going to be popular. They're going to hate you for that. One thing they don't want when you're out there trying to play ball in the world and that's the world's ball and it's their ballpark and their ball game and they wrote the rules you can't go out there and take Jesus out there to them don't worry I'm talking about the real truth I'm not talking about a Baptist Jesus you understand what I'm saying not this goody goody Jesus well I'm a Christian and I don't want to cuss with you but I listen to you cuss I don't tell dirty jokes but I listen to your dirty jokes you know what that does to a Christian when they're in the music world and they're behind the scene, behind the stage, and somebody's telling a dirty joke, and the guy knows he shouldn't bear and he's just going, oh, God, if I can get through this, uh, uh, maybe I'll... Oh, you want to turn away? It's not a place for Christians to be. It's a place of infamy. Now, let's keep reading. Your fathers tipped me and proved me and saw my works 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation, for they do err. Planeo. Planeo means to cause to be out of the way or out of the narrow way. To go out of the way. To get out of the narrow way. They do err in their heart and have not known my hodos, my ways, my narrow way. 
So I swear in, it doesn't say my wrath, it says the wrath of the people. It's not my, it's tay. That is the feminine gender, or gay, feminine gender, or gay. The orgay is the wrath of a covetous man who wants to get revenge. It's that outer man that wants to fight over some guy coming in, taking his money, taking his attention. I can see the whole picture. I hope I can get it over to you. It's like a picture, a woven tapestry to me. <clears throat> so I swear in the wrath of the people, the orgay that anger and rage they had against Aaron and Moses. I swore in their wrath that they should not enter into my catapultus. And his reference was to the promised land. The ones that murmured against God while they provoked him, they're not coming up here north of the Dead Sea. And when Moses gets to the last chapter of Deuteronomy and he's going to commission Joshua to take the people over because God has forbidden him to go over because he did some things against God. He struck a rock twice when God told him to speak to a rock. Boy, it sounds like an awful penalty to pay. But Moses stood face to face with God, and I believe that was Jesus, and God instructed him. So let's keep reading. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. He's saying these people didn't believe God, that's why they couldn't enter into his rest. That word unbelief, apistus. And pistis is the word faith. The opportunity negates that word, means no faith. What if I said no daily cross? We said faith was a daily cross. No death to self, no understanding. You would think that after God struck down the the army of the of the Pharaoh, that they would understand He can conquer these Anakims. But they didn't believe that, so it's unbelief. So He says, "You're not going to enter into the land." Take heed, brethren, that there be in you an evil heart of no faith, no daily cross, no death to self. His references to the people in the wilderness that were provoking him in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily what it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That was sin when they said we can't go over there. God did one big miraculous saying of destroying Pharaoh, but we can't go over there, and God can't fix those giants. For we are made partakers of Christ, and we hold the beginning of our confidence of steadfastness to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, hearken not, or if you will obey his voice, hearken not, harden not your hearts, as in the day when they provoked God. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. Everybody didn't provoke God. He had to have some that would come out of the wilderness. The wilderness is a picture of us being in this life and coming through the wilderness of difficulties and all of that. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, 
All of this story is over here in Numbers 13 and 14. That's what it's talking about. I'm not going to get through here. And to whom swear he that they could not enter into his kataposis, his rest. He called Canaan the rest of God and equated it with the Sabbath. So we see that they could not enter in because of no faith, no death to self, no daily cross. They weren't believing that God could conquer the men of Anak. And he goes on down in the next chapter and talks about this rest of God. Let us therefore fear. Therefore is a conjunction that's connecting what what was just said with what's about to be said. C-H-A-P-T-E-R is not in the text. They wrote these chapters, and it wasn't chapters, it was one long letter. Let us therefore, because of unbelief, promise, a promise being made of us to enter into his rest or enter into his Sabbath. How much time do I have, Mike? Let me see if I can get through some of this. Then he equates the rest with the seventh day. Verse 4, for he speaks in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, God did kataposis. He equates the rest with the kataposis, with the settling down when they get to Canaan. That would be their spiritual Sabbath. And when you, when God, you trust God to conquer the enemy like they should have, but they didn't. And he says down here in verse 8, or in verse 9, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. That word rest is sabbatismos, A-B-B-A-S-T-I-S-M-O-S, or S-A-B-B-A-T-I-S-M-O-S, T-I-S-M-O-S. Sabbatismos is the word Sabbath in this in this text. He is equating getting into Canaan as the rest of God, but he equates it with believing that God can conquer all of their enemies. That's what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath is when you believe that God has predestined you to conform to the likeness of Christ and all opposition that comes upon you, you stop fighting it. But you can't stop fighting until you really believe God. That he's, de- that he's declared the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning from ancient times, everything that's not yet done in your life, that's about predestination. He's declared everything. A car wreck, somebody cheating you, somebody lying to you, losing your house, losing your car. It's all the will of God. And it's to bring about death to self. And when you stop fighting the world, Jim Brown, and I have done that. Boy, I used to fight mentally and verbally constantly. I wanted my way in my 40s and 30s. And I was just about a basket case. God has taught me to be an example to you. Stop fighting. Somebody wants to start a fight with me, I say, that's fine. You're supposed to be in my life fighting me. 
And this makes me settle that much more into the will of God. If our God's in the heavens, he's done whatsoever he hath pleased. If he's declared the end from the beginning. And I know that whatsoever God doeth, that's everything that's going on is what he does. It shall be forever and nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. The Sabbath is here now. It's every day of the week. It's constant. When you get old enough, you've gone through enough fire to get rid of that fleshly man, which is you. God has been dealing with me for a long time. If you're out there and you want to fight me, you're fighting the wrong man. I'm not going to fight you. You can argue with me about anything. I'll just say, I will... I will change, but boy, you've got to give me super positive proof with a real good explanation coming from an authority that is doubtless. But I'm not going to just change the message because some people don't like it. Not going to do it. And I am very bold when it comes to that. Am I out of time? Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Teach us we got to get rid of us, Lord. We are our biggest problem. I am my own problem. If we believe that you can battle our enemies and everything that comes along, when we worry about everything, just teach us, Lord, that all we have to do is just back away and say, Lord, it's in your hands. If there's a battle to be won, you will win it. And you're fighting one with me. You're using evil people as your hand, like David said. They're the hand of God that crushes us. Delivers from that, and you will. Fight our battles. In Christ's name, we pray, man. I hope that I can get this over. It's such a long, long picture. But it all has to do with the same thing. Nothing we teach doesn't have to do with this. Predestination is a part of it. Hope y'all can see that. I, I like the, huh? You know, we're talking about them, I can't hear you. The people in the wilderness. It's all about them not believing God after he had already destroyed the largest army in the world. That don't make sense, does it? But we don't make sense either. <laughs> None of us make sense. He's in charge of everything in our lives. That's what predestination's about. Causing us to conform to his likeness. I'm just, I'm tired of me trying to battle the world. I'm not going to fight them no more. I have, God has, let me put it this way, God has made up my mind. I didn't make it up. I woke up one day and I said, this is not working. <laughs> you ever come to that point? This don't work. Hey, Rusty, I love you, brother. Okay. I, I woke up and said, Lord, the way I've been doing it doesn't work. Let me try your way. And not fight or argue with anybody. And there's people fight me. They think they're fighting me, but they're... Hey, I'll take care. I love you, Davion. I love you.
Andrew. Love y'all. Y'all are my brothers. My brothers and sisters are those who do the will of the Father. And y'all are my brothers. Yeah. Well, that's who my brothers and sisters are, those who do the will of God. I hope I can get this over to the people at Grace and Truth. There's no need stressing and fighting over things. If it's happening, it's the will of God. If somebody's dying in your house, it's the will of God. If somebody's got a sickness you can't overcome, it's the will of God. God's will is a wonderful thing when you realize it. Because you realize it's all in His hands and it's what He wants to happen. That's what's changed me is the will of God over all these years. It's changed me into the man I am, which is not the man I used to be in my 40s. In my 30s, I'm nowhere near that guy. My family thinks I'm angry at everybody. I'm not angry at anybody. I'm not angry at the people I used to be angry at. I found out you can't change them if they're vessels of wrath and they have no conviction. If they're vessels of wrath, God made them that. Yeah. And you, you can't fix people. If the Holy Spirit don't fix them, how are you going to fix them? That's right. I just, I've been getting depressed lately about this. Huh? I've been getting depressed lately about, you know, how mean people are and how just how the world Well, and that does depress you, but guess what? You're supposed to be. Yeah. The Bible says Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. If we're predestined to be like him, then we'll be men and women of sorrows and acquainted with grief. It grieves me to see the world the way it is, but I know it's the will of God. Right. I don't feel good about it. It makes me feel bad. And, that, and you're in good shape if it makes you feel bad because you're being like Christ. So the fact that you're like Him is pleasing to Him. You're dying to the flesh. 